Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey folks, it's Matt Zachary, and welcome to Vax On, a weekly segment of my podcast, Out of Patience, right here on the Offscript Network. Hey, I'm Alura Nanos. I'm a lawyer, a journalist, a mom of a teenage narcoleptic, and a professional big mouth. Lou and I go back 30 years as best friends, and we're here to have fun and bring you a layperson's guide to what the hell just happened this week in healthcare as America gets its vax on and shows COVID the door. We're here together to learn, complain, and include you in the conversation. So join us on Twitter at VaxOnPod and share your stories and grievances using the hashtag VaxOn. All right, Matt, let's get at it. Hello, Allura. Hi, Matt. Welcome back, says me to myself on VaxOn. It's been about three weeks. I'll say it. Welcome back to you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be back. Yes, it's wonderful to have you back. I've missed you. Since the last time you and I were together, I have seen the Grand Canyon, which was very exciting. I have performed before a crowd of a thousand, which was very exciting. I hosted a gala, made speeches, and um, had some interesting experience with COVID tests. Oh, boy. So there's been a lot that's been happening. Yeah. So I went on a bit of a business field trip three days in both Florida and California, too of the potentially most antithetical states in the country and got to experience what COVID precautions and culture was like uh, from opposite ends of the spectrum within a day and a half. Interesting. Do you have like a little COVID whiplash situation happening? I mean, Florida, yeah, there was nothing. They didn't care. No one checked. It was fine, whatever it was. I mean, I know we're moving into this endemic stage. We'll get to that later in the show. But California still had like mandates in the airports, even though you're not supposed to, and the airplane flying out back to New York. Obviously, there's no mask mandate on airplanes anymore, but nearly the entire cabin was wearing masks, presumably Californians going somewhere else. And Florida was like, Fort Lauderdale, no, no masks whatsoever. That's so interesting. I, 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 People, when I was on a plane coming from Arizona, hardly anyone had a mask on, maybe 20% of the people. Um, I actually think we should have masks on planes forever because I always get sick after being on an airplane. Um, and that didn't happen when I wore a mask on an airplane. But I mean, we've um, had that talk on the show before that the transmission of COVID-19 specifically was barely even measurable on airplanes. But the transmission of all that other shit was around. Well, cooties, yes. <laughs> cooties mask. on airplanes. Regular cooties. Regular cooties is always going to be a problem on airplanes. Masks but will not probably if prevent we wear cooties. masks. Yeah. Yes. I just want the it's it's it really is not about COVID. It's really about general 
the cootie situation. Yeah, yeah. Let's so, let's take the COVID out. That's like a no no brainer thing anymore. We're we're cruising right. towards dealing with it as a society. But yes, cooties forever. Oh God. Speaking of cooties, paying any attention to what's happened at the Supreme Court lately? Um, I saw that, you know, as of this taping last night, some like first time ever leak, you know, like Spider-Man four leak script coming out of SCOTUS that it looks like Roe is dead. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. And, you know, obviously we could devote the entire show to this topic and I'm not going to, but I, I would like to just like kind of say a couple of things. Um, just, you know, I figure our listeners might like to hear my opinion a little bit as a lawyer, which you are. Yes, so I, I feel like I should I should um, give some lawyerly commentary on this. So it's, it's it's actually not my opinion. This is really just lawyerly commentary. All right, commence um, lawyering. Okay, here here we go. So last night, like nine o'clock at night, just as I was beginning to settle into watching television and being very relaxed, I got a frantic message that there was a leak out of the Supreme Court that a draft opinion of Dobbs versus Jackson, which is um, uh, the Mississippi abortion case came out and, oh my gosh, the majority is going to crush Roe versus Wade and overturn Roe, overturn Planned Parenthood versus Casey, no more abortion rights, Q world freaking out. No. Well, half the world. Well, I think that even the half of the world that uh, thinks that abortion should be very closely regulated, like thinks of it as big news that a major opinion leaked out of the Supreme Court. Okay. So, you, you know what I mean? So, right. which brings me to my point. So my, my first, the first thing I'd like to say about this is, uh, wow, that's a pretty fucking big deal. We don't get leaks of draft opinions on major cases out of the Supreme Court. It's not something that happens. So that's a big deal. Was this done on purpose, you think? Oh, it was absolutely done on purpose. And um, speculation within the legal community is that it was actually leaked by conservatives for two reasons. One, to potentially deflect attention to the leak as opposed to the content of the opinion, mm. and, and which I think is it sounds actually very reasonable. And two, to sort of soften the blow and manage people's expectations so that they, the opinion doesn't come out and then like the whole world is shocked all at once. Ah. Um, now, I, I don't know that to be the case, but it sounds like a very reasonable explanation to me. Um, the source that it came from, uh, which is Politico's Josh Gerstein, he's a very well-respected name in the legal journalistic community. So, and and pretty much anyone who reads it says this seems totally legit. So, um, you know, it hasn't been officially released. We don't know that the court is absolutely going to use this opinion, but it looks pretty likely that that's what's going to happen. So, before we get to our first Vaxon topic, I just have a general question out of pure ignorance. So I really want to understand what happens in the situation or the scenario where the family, the parents of a child with an unwanted pregnancy, right, that wants to get an abortion, uh, has to deal with that pregnancy now when they know their daughter is now in jeopardy, potentially to get an illegal abortion in that state. I, I mean, I think that's a really good question. And I'll tell you, you know, I've written a long explainer piece on lawandcrime.com about what this decision means. And essentially, and this is not just my opinion, this, this is really how it works in that the opinion doesn't say abortion is legal or illegal or, or a good idea or a bad idea or anything like that. What it says is this isn't really for the Supreme Court to decide. This is a matter for state legislatures. Okay. So in other words, every state can just do whatever it is that they want. 
So the answer, Matt, to your question about, well, what is going to happen when someone has an unwanted pregnancy, someone's child has an unwanted pregnancy? The answer to that is it depends on where they live. Right. That, that is the answer. It, uh, you know, if they live in a state like New York, New Jersey, California, states that are more liberal, then those states have some abortion laws. They're not incredibly restrictive. They do typically restrict it later on in pregnancy, but not earlier on in pregnancy. And there are all sorts of medical regulations about, you know, that doctors and hospitals are expected to follow. If they live in places like Mississippi, Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, um, those states have extremely restrictive laws. And, and some of them have laws that are so restrictive that they don't allow abortion at all ever. So, um, it, you know, in those states, you're going to be shit out of luck. Um, does anything stop a person from traveling to a different state? Certainly nothing legal stops them. It's more of a practical issue that not everyone can get to another state. Not everyone can afford to get there. Right. So it becomes a practical issue where the law of the land is now going to vary dramatically from one state to the next. Okay. Yeah. And one thing, you know, on a topic that is so hotly contested for so many reasons, I will say this. There's one thing that we all agree on. I very rarely agree with Justice Alito, but I certainly agree with him on this point, which is once we have a topic that's in the control of the state legislature, what that means is that your voice is really important. So whatever you think about this issue, the way to have your voice heard is to call your local legislator um, and to lobby and to be involved in the democratic process because this is essentially saying every state gets to rule its own little world on this topic. So if you want your state law to reflect what you think, you need to get involved. Um, you know, whatever you think about this topic personally, the, the way to effectuate your beliefs is to just get involved. Right. Taking emotion out of this, I totally understand states' rights, unless it's an airborne illness. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. Yes, because Just this so is crazy. not a public health issue. It's not like it bleeds over to other That's right. states. You That's know, right. It's it doesn't not, affect this is me a, a, personally. I'm not going to get sick because someone can't get an abortion in Alabama. But again, respiratory illness crosses state lines. You know what, Matt? That's actually such an important point. And I'm so glad you brought that up on this podcast because it's a really important contrast between something, two things that are health issues, but one that is a totally private health issue and one that is a totally public health issue. And you can see how the arguments and the legalities and the, the concerns are wildly different when we're talking about something that, that really affects only the one person that is dealing with the medical condition, like pregnancy, versus a contagious illness like COVID, because the concerns in play, the analysis, all of that is totally different when it's something that affects everyone as opposed to just affecting one person at a time. Really important point. Well, speaking Go about you. this whole me versus we, you know, our first segment, you know, belated here in the show is all about how how scared and how much do we really care, you know, empathy and not empathy to the immunocompromised and the elderly that cases are higher hospitalizations are incredibly low. But, but at the same time, even given that those statistics about the, the very serious COVID cases are low, thankfully, uh, the numbers for COVID infections are relatively, you know, not, I wouldn't say high, but they're much higher than they had been. We had been um, at 600 a day and now we're at 2,500 a day. And that 2,500 a day does not even take into account people who are testing at home and not reporting it to anybody. 
Um, so that's kind of scary, right? I don't think so. I mean, I'm at this point now where, again, I, as a cancer advocate, I totally understand. Protect the vulnerable. You know, make sure that we're doing everything as a society to guarantee that those who are at risk more of having this be really terrible for them, respiratory illness, asthmatics, you know, type 2 diabetics, elderly people, immunocompromised, you know, rare disease patients. That's always going to be the issue with anything in public health. But to the extent that if this is now at the level of normal, regular flu, which I can't claim it is or isn't, how panicky do we need to be with this constant bombardment of these numbers going up without there being any sort of a, you know, there's no subjugate to the predicate. Are we getting all grammatical here? Yes. <laughs> I have to say this. I have to just pipe in and say this. And I completely get your point about like, look, most people aren't dying from this. And of course we should protect the immunocompromise. But what is my brain, where my brain goes is not immediately to the immunocompromise. My brain goes to my own schedule. Right. <laughs> Which is, what is this going to fuck up in my life now? And, and of course, I, you know, I don't believe that, that it's time for any kind of lockdowns or anything like that. Right. Um, but I cannot help that, but notice that, you know, in the past, uh, you know, we've always had flus and other contagious diseases, but there's never been a situation where I like went to a party and then one person had whatever the illness was and then the rest of us got it. And then we all had to cancel everything we were doing for the next two weeks, which is what happens with COVID. And, oh my gosh, it's so annoying. And over this past weekend, I hosted a gala uh, with 200 attendees and we rapid COVID tested everyone at the door and um, which we knew was, you know, a little overkill, but we figured better safe than sorry. And we have a lot of older people and we'll be maskless and eating. So, you know, let's just have this one additional measure. And guess what happened? I'm guessing. I'm ready. The person I sat next to ended up testing positive for COVID the next morning. Right. (laughs) So I'm right now in, in my house because I don't know if maybe I have COVID. I feel okay, but who the hell knows? Um, and that kind of fallout is really new. That fallout from a contagious illness, even though I know, like, if I get COVID, it's very likely not going to kill me or put me in the hospital, thank goodness. But it is going to destroy my week because I can't do anything until I know that that I'm okay. And I think that's so new that we have to take that into account when we're figuring out what is kind of the right touch between being cautious and not being too much? You know what I mean? But this is New York. Like we are a heightened, enlightened, you know, left-leaning culture in this microcosm of a country that is downstate. And the minute they say, oh, you know, more people are getting this now, more positive tests, and we don't know who's doing this at home, do we really want to panic the way we used to? I don't think anybody should be panicking. I, and I think that that really is is the crux of it. I, I don't think anyone who is relatively healthy and has you know no reason to fear death from COVID, no one should be panicking. Um, but I think that there is a continuum where you have panic on one side and you have negligence on the other side. And in the middle, there is a possibility of just being cautious without necessarily being panicked. Um, that's where I like to live in careful land, careful, but not panicked land is where I'd like to live. Will you join me there? <laughs> I'll try to be cautious land. So just walking around the streets here in Manhattan every single day, 
there's a massive hybrid of people still like with the full face shields and like wearing the, the, the suits of armor and people just walking around like normal. And I don't think you're ever going to get away from this being a very split issue, even if it is, you know, like ecologically, if it vanished from the planet tomorrow, people will still be wearing masks for years to come. Oh, they absolutely will. In the same way that people will always wear uncomfortable pants with tight waistbands and other people will always wear yoga pants. Some people just don't mind being a little extra uncomfortable for whatever fucking reason they come up with. You know, like if there's no regulation, like you're allowed to be comfortable and some people just won't do it. Presenting things Matt never says. (laughs) I mean, I never get it. I literally look around when I, especially in Manhattan, and I see women wearing pantsuits. And I look at them and I say, what are you doing? There has got to be a better way. And yet there they are wearing the pantsuits, which I know are unbelievably uncomfortable. And they just go ahead and do it anyway. Well, this segment of Vaxxon, not sponsored by Lululemon. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a quick break and be back after this. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, and we are back. Elura, what do we got next? I have a really nice story. I, I thought I would share it with you. Wait, we didn't want it, to leave with a nice story? We led with the panic story? We led with the, well, no, cautious but not panic. <laughs> we led with now the I, cautious but not panic story. Got it. Yes. Now I have a really nice story about this nice brother and sister. Okay. Do tell. Okay. Arthur and Amanda Wang from Howard County, Maryland. Uh, these are two teenagers. They prompted 42 other students from 12 schools across the public school system. They raised $5,000 in a fundraiser and they ended up donating more than 1,400 protective kits to teachers over 62 schools. It's it's the greatest story. 
they uh, they got together and they created these little kits. And the kits had masks and filters for the masks and special little ear protectors so that they would be more comfortable and a thank you card and a lanyard. And they gave it out to teachers. And I just think that this is so sweet. I'm reading this now as you're saying this. Yes. What an incredibly amazing gesture. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like. Go Gen Z. You know, it, it is actually such a Gen Z thing that even little kids, um, their first instinct is like, let's get a GoFundMe and like, let's get a movement going and let's go get people to donate um, in a way that never occurred to me as a kid because it was it would have been much more difficult to do that without the Internet. I think it's one of the most beautiful hallmarks of this generation that that is one of the first things that they think of to do whenever there's any kind of a problem. It's really nice to be that innocent. It is. And I'm sure these teachers really appreciated it, especially knowing that it came from children. I feel like this is so, a better version of the kids having to bring their own pencils and crayons to school because the teachers can't afford it. Oh, my God. I, first of all, why are the teachers paying for any of that shit? Because they, well, um, they've been paying for it for 40 years. That's because this whole system is stupid. I have a question. Teachers have, should not be really paying for crayons. Question. And kids should teachers not shouldn't have to be pay for, for the crayons anything. either. No, teachers no. should pay for nothing. Can I can I just ask this question? You know, you have a, a father who's a teacher and a mother who's a teacher. Do you? Oh, that's right. You have two parents who are teachers. Um, do you remember when we were little kids in elementary school and the teachers would open up those closets where there was like this unending stash of the yellow lined paper for the spelling test? Yes, yes. But it was a right. little. And it was like it the worst paper. Well, it wasn't eight and a half by eleven. It was like a slightly no, smaller, little. odd rectangular version. Yeah, it was like five by seven. And it was terrible because if you tried to erase it, like the whole paper would like shred yeah. up. It was, <laughs> it was awful, made of tissue. Right? It would like smudge and then it was just like the weirdest thing. But the teachers had like this unlimited supply of that shit in the closet someplace. They would well, like unlock it out I of mean, the I mean, supply chain in the 60s, 70s, 80s. I mean, the, the public school system paid just to stock the schools with stuff. And then as we That's started to descend at the middle schools and high schools, it was all gone And the teachers. I mean, my mother had to spend thousands of dollars a year out of her own pocket to keep the class stocked. Crazy. But my, here's my question, though. When we were kids and they had that awful paper, were the teachers paying for that then or no? The the school board was paying for it then. I want to be less cynical and think that the school board was paying for it because there was more money and more people cared about that. And vocational education because all of that was stuff that had to be in the schools. And what happened? I don't understand. Um, Hammer Mill probably took charge of everything and said, no, nope, <laughs> our paper or nothing. I don't. I just don't understand any of it. Um, but I think it's just lovely that these that these two kids decided to do that, and I'm 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 just so uh, I'm so proud of them. No, and I'd and, love to hear more stories about this. Again, it's kind of a shame that we need the kids to do this for the schools. They shouldn't just be armed. I mean, we're, it's it's been two years since this happened. There should be PPE at the ready. No, that's extra nice. I like that. Good for them. I like extra nice kids. Good for you. Good job, kids. Next week, I want to talk to you about this uh, incredibly amazing little rant on Bill Maher's show last week about the blatant abuse of hundreds of billions of dollars in the PPE loans. We have to talk about Ooh. this next week. Yes. They've oh, that sounds like a really good topic. They have uncovered so much this week that I want to cover with you next week of the five point something trillion dollars they allocated over the last two years to the the the, the personal protection loans and the, all the, and the people got the checks. Rampant misabuse and disabuse hundreds of billions vanished gone no worth are you saying that there was extra money available from the government and people abused it i'm saying that Can't some be. kind of francis ford coppola character 
showed up in the country <laughs> and found a way to make it disappear on a truck. Wow, that sounds like some fuckery afoot. We'll Definite talk about fuckery. that next week. Yes. Definitely. Uh, before we go, can I just ask you just the quickest of questions? Yeah, sure. Am I supposed to get another fucking booster shot? Because I tried to ask the Google if I'm supposed to get it, and the Google had all kinds of conflicting answers for me. So can you tell me? Am I supposed to get a fourth COVID shot? I know people that have gotten a fourth COVID shot without them even being prompted to because they just maybe are being proactive as someone who could be immunocompromised or maybe unnecessarily panicked. But is someone going to tell me, though, like is someone in charge of telling me that I'm supposed to go get it? Because I'll get it if I'm supposed to get it. But I just don't know if I'm supposed to get it. All right. I'm going to live Google right now. Is that a thing? Live. I'm going to just go on to Chrome. It's like live type, streaming. Yeah. You know, should I get should Alora a get a second <laughs> booster? Oh, my God. This like 2.9 trillion search results. Or here's the CDC. CDC recommends additional boosters only for certain individuals over the age of 50 or immunocompromised. This was from March 29th this year. But that that brings me right back to the way I was in the very beginning when we were signing up for our very first COVID vaccine, mm -hmm. where it said, like, are you immunocompromised? And it was like, do you have diabetes? No. Do you have cancer? No. And then, like, it was like, are you overweight? And I'm like, everybody's overweight. Like, <laughs> how? I don't know. Like, how overweight? Like, are you talking like you got to cut a wall out of my house to get me out or I need like a jazzy to get around Disney World? Or are you just like, you a I had a few too many muffins? <laughs> like, Do I was you like, ride a rascal scooter? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just feel like that is such an open-ended question, you know? So I'm like, okay. So so I was like, sure, I'm fat. Give me the, give me the shot. And now I want to know, like, does that still count? Like exactly how bad do I have to be to get the the fourth shot? You must be no this fat to this ride this <laughs> second booster shot. I'm serious. Like I just don't understand how it's so like subjective, some of these categories. And I never know what to do with it. I really don't because it, they don't even tell you like you have a health condition. Okay, I do have a health condition. They're not asking me which one it is. Is it one related to COVID? Not I have really. hysterical like, blindness. What can I do? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, like I have a bleeding disorder that has zero to do with COVID, right. but it is a medical condition. So do I get to go in the front of the line? This is not helpful at all. Like, none of this is helpful. To me. It's time for the restless leg advocacy movement. Yes, I have Jimmy legs. I need, I need another booster shot. Yeah. I just, what, like, what if you have, like, what is it called? Like, tinnitus. Like, does right. that count? <laughs> I, just, I have a lazy I eye. Does strabismus I, require me to get right. a second booster <laughs> strabismus. shot? Strabismus. I have strabismus. <laughs> I have to say strabismus more often. Yeah, it's a great word. It's a strabismus. Word. It is such a good word. Um, okay, so you're not helping me. No, but I'm can not. Can I tell you? I'm just no, reading from the totally website. Not. It says here exactly. Oh, it's not helpful. People over the age of 50 who received an initial booster dose at least four months ago. Again, this was from March. Should be like eligible to receive another mRNA booster to increase their protection against severe disease from COVID-19. Great. So it's like if you had one from column A and one from column B, then you should get your booster shot within 20 minutes of placing your order. It's a brunch menu. I don't understand. It is. It's a brunch menu. Meanwhile, can I uh, – we're going to leave this episode, but I have to tell you my fantastic COVID test anecdote. Um, you ready? never leave me disappointed, so go on. No. <laughs> so, I mean – so – 
as you know, I play in a symphony orchestra and we um, had a major performance with a thousand people in the audience. And then we had a big party afterwards with 200 people at the party. And we were very careful and asked everyone at the party to do a rapid COVID test. So I, like a good organizer, went online and ordered $1,200 worth of COVID tests Holy so shit. that we had them there. Yeah. So that we had them there for anyone who might need it. Right. And um, so I got this huge box of COVID tests and I, I individually, um, you know, put them all in little Ziploc baggies and gave them out. And after I had given out a whole bunch of them, we looked down and realized that they expired the day before I gave them yeah. out. So, so, and I had only I'm sorry, just- I'm laughing them. with you, not at you. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, so I, I was thinking back to our former episode, which said that the FDA extended the- the deadline, right? That is, they extended the shelf life. They were like, even though the expiration date is, you know, May 1st, we're just going to go ahead and pretend it's October 1st. Right. Um, and, and I was like, they probably still work. It's literally been like a day that they're expired. Is it like but, when so, yogurt and, and expires, I, but it's like just, it's like the cell date, like not the rotting date? <laughs> right. It's like a suggestion. Like maybe you should use it by this. So I was really freaked out about it because I said, oh my gosh, I just ordered $1,200 worth of COVID tests. And now I can't even hold on to the extra ones because they're expired now. They're really going to be super expired later. Um, you know, I, I think the ones we used worked. They they seemed to be working properly, but like who the hell knows? Um, so I was really sort of freaking out because I'm the one that ordered them on behalf of this organization. And I was like spending someone else's money. And um, I called the nice people at Amazon and I told them what happened. And do you know what they did? They shipped you an even older, outdated batch of COVID tests. <laughs> no, they gave me all of the money back. Wow. Good for them. Good for and you, I, Amazon. I said, it really, absolutely. And I said, um, like, do you want me to ship you the expired ones, like, so that you could see that I'm not bullshitting you? And they were like, nah, just keep them. So Wait, now, so did you dump them in the Arthur Kill? Absolutely not. But I will tell you what I have done. <laughs> I now have, did like, you, wait, Did you give them to all the deer in the backyard? <laughs> should i have hundreds of day-old covid tests in my house right now so i will not lie i've taken three a day for the past what? few days <laughs> because i went to this big party and i know that i was close to someone else who tested positive. wait so you're just so waiting just for the shoe to drop is that what this is i just keep testing every couple hours because otherwise they're going to go in the trash so like i might as well find out the very second if i didn't want to you should make a mural to Samuel Alito. <laughs> Out of oh, I should do some sort of art with them. Should you I? should? I, I see an installation happening in your future. I mean, <laughs> that sounds good. I will definitely do. That. I'm sure. I'm sure there's someone I should like donate them to, but I'm not sure because they're expired. So I don't know what the fuck to do. Give them to that school but, in Maryland. No, but they're expired though. I don't want to give them bad COVID tests. Did you see that Seinfeld episode where they donated the expired <laughs> yeah, right, stuff? Yeah, right. You can't do that. So, I mean, I don't know. So, yeah, but I think an art installation is probably the way to go. Reminds me, she just said Seinfeld, reminds me of the uh, the non-fat Giuliani episode with like non-fat, fat. <laughs> it's the non-fat yogurt. Yeah. Oh. oh, my God. So that's my life. So if, so if our listeners, if any of you have a really creative idea for an incredible art installation made out of COVID tests, please let me know. Yes. Hello at offscript.com. We will entertain all semi-ridiculous and fully ridiculous opportunities for Elura's COVID test installation <laughs> at NJ Pack this October. 
Yes, on display. And with that, that is the end of our show today, Matt. It has been indeed a fantastic show, starting with the horror stories, moving to a more placid approach to terror and into the heartfelt, wonderful life of innocent children. Yes, thank you. And and the totally unhelpful Googling of whether I'm supposed to get another booster <laughs> shot. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week on Vaxon. Lou, have a great week. You too, Matt. Thanks, everyone. That's all for now. If you like Vaxon, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Tell us your shit show of a healthcare story by leaving a message for us at 855-AUDIO-66, and we might just use it in a future show. Vaxon is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Brianna Seeley. Our hosts are Matthew Zachary and Alora Nanos. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Brianna Seeley. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com. <laughs> <laughs>